Well, I just want to say to begin, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, and today I'm going to share with you, we're going to treasure hunt this evening. You guys ready for that? Fired up about that? And it may not be where you think it is. And uh, in this, this whole series that we've been doing in, in our region, maybe the next slide, this is not uh, clicking for me. You want to do it manually? Turn this on too? Got to turn everything on? Got it. Well, hey, this is our website. I'm from the Lighthouse region, and we've just been doing, we're on part five. I'm going to share with you part one. This has been an incredible journey that we've been on as a region, looking at what the Bible talks about, the scriptures talk about as far as treasure. And this is huge for us. And after you get a taste of what I'm going to talk about tonight, hopefully you'll want to dig in more. You can go to our website. You can watch what we've done. I'm going to encourage, I'm going to nudge Reuben maybe to consider doing this series here with you guys, because for me, it's been life-changing. It's been life-changing. You know, I've been in the church for 28 years. Uh, started out in the campus ministry, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was baptized into Christ in the campus, and, and I've been, you know, through the singles ministry, spent five years in the singles ministry, uh, and, and was married in the church, and then I've been a part of the family merit ministry for the uh, last 23 years. Uh, it's scary. It's scary, guys. My son, my youngest son is graduating from high school in a week. And I'm like, where did time go? But I can honestly tell you that being rooted in God's Word, being rooted in the Scriptures has protected me. Not from everything, but from most things. And what we're going to look at tonight, what you're going to do tonight, what you're going to put in these barrels is so significant it's going to blow you away, and I hope to inspire you, because maybe you're going to give a little tonight, but especially for some of you college students and singles, where you've got many, many more years to give, you're going to have the opportunity to send something on ahead that's huge, huge for your future, for your eternity. You know, what are we talking about? Jesus didn't come to this earth to begin a new religion. Jesus came to introduce a vastly different relationship with God. He was focused, and this is something in our region we're focusing on a lot. When we invite people, and if you're a guest here tonight, if you're a guest of the, of the church, I want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. I want to tell you what the end game is, because you may think, man, I got bribed into being here. They told me they're going to invite me to dinner or take me to Starbucks, and you're not sure what. Let me tell you what the end game is here, why we invited you to come. We invited you to come to lead you into a relationship with God. Because that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to introduce a religion. You know, and sometimes we have a, you know, a stereotype of churches and we say, well, this is just another religion. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to introduce a vastly different relationship with God. And so that's what this series, that's what this series is, is talking about is, you know, Jesus was so focused on a relationship that he wanted us to have the right relationship with stuff. And in the series that we've been doing called The Treasure Principle, I actually have a stage prop. I was going to bring it tonight, but we're still using it. It's an actual treasure chest, okay, with gold coins inside and, and treasures. And, and our, all of our children come up and they want to grab some of the stuff, you know. But it's important for us to visualize things. And so I'm a very visual person, and thanks to being in the 21st century, we don't we don't just get to read parables of Jesus, we get to watch them. So to intro our treasure principle, this is a parable that Jesus shared with us about a man, he was a traveler, who was on a treasure hunt. And believe it or not, I got some news for you. All of us are on a treasure hunt. But many of us are searching for that treasure in the wrong place. And we're looking for something to fill that void in our heart, but because we look in all the wrong places, it messes up our lives. And maybe you're here, here tonight, and you're going, yeah, I, I can relate to that. I know what that's all about because I'm living it. Uh, my life is a train wreck right now. Well, you're in the right place. Because tonight, you can have the opportunity to get it right. So let's watch the parable. Let's dim the lights. We're going to watch this parable that Jesus shared with us about a man who was felt, he just accidentally came upon this treasure. So let's watch. 
A first century Hebrew walks alone on a hot afternoon, staff in hand. His shoulders are stooped, sandals covered with dirt. But he doesn't stop to rest. He has pressing business in the city. He veers off the road into a field, seeking a shortcut. The owners won't mind. Travelers are permitted this courtesy. The field is uneven. To keep his balance, he thrusts his staff into the dirt. The staff strikes something hard. He drops to his knees and starts digging. Five minutes later, he's uncovered it. It's a case. By the looks of it, it's been there for decades. Heart racing, he opens the lid. Gold coins, jewelry, precious stones of every color. A treasure more valuable than anything he's ever imagined. The traveler inspects the coins issued in Rome over 70 years ago. Some wealthy man must have buried the case and died suddenly. The secret of the treasure's location dying with him. There is no homestead nearby. Surely the current landowner has no clue that the treasure is even here. The traveler closes the lid, buries the treasure, and marks the spot. He turns around and heads home. Only now, he's not plotting. He's skipping, like a little boy, smiling broadly. What a find, the traveler says. Unbelievable. I've got to have that treasure. But I can't just take it. That would be stealing. Whoever owns the field owns what's in it. But how can I afford to buy it? I'll sell my farm and my crops, all my tools, even my prize oxen. Yes, if I sell everything, that should be enough. So this, this parable that Jesus shared is the overarching focus of this series that we've been doing called The Treasure Principle. And I promise you, if you get this principle, if you finally understand, and it has everything to do with this traveler who fell upon by accident the treasure of all treasures, who can tell me what the, the real treasure is that Jesus is referring to? It's right there in the verse. What is it? What's the treasure? The kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a relationship with God. A connection with God. And this is what Jesus came to introduce to this world. Not another religion. And this is where even church world gets lost. This is sometimes where we get lost because we say, well, I'm a, a Christian and I go to church and I'm a part of this church and I'm a part of this. And we lose focus of what this is all about. It's a relationship. So I want to ask you tonight, what's your treasure? Where is it? What is it? And, and this is what, you know, the big question has been. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject in the New Testament. Did you know that? 15% of what Jesus talked about, his total content in the four Gospels, 15% of it, which is more than anything else, was about money and possessions. Why do you think Jesus spent so much time talking about money and possessions when in reality he was a poor carpenter? His, his whole ministry didn't rely on money, not like us. I mean, look at this place. You know, a lot of things that we see in church world today rely on money. Jesus was, Jesus was a low-budget ministry. So why did he talk about it? If he didn't need it, if he, didn't, he wasn't you know, using it in his ministry, why did he talk about it so much? The reason is, is because he knows the effect that it has on our hearts. And what you need to understand is the number one competitor in your relationships, whether it be with God or with your spouse or with friends or with your children or with who any, anybody else, any relationship that you want to have, guess what's going to be the number one competitor in that relationship? It's money. And money has an effect on our hearts like nothing else. It makes us weird. Even the fact that I'm mentioning it now and we're going to be passing plates and things, some of you are going to feel uncomfortable. Why is that? Because there's something not right or there's an attachment, an unhealthy attachment that money can have on us and it's, it's, it hurts us. It hurts us. And so that's why Jesus talked about it so much. Look at this verse. Paul talked about this. He warned us. He said times are coming 
In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he said this. He said, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves and lovers of what? Now, this is kind of funny, but how can you have a relationship with a thing? Like, for example, let me just say, I got this keyboard here, and me and this keyboard have a relationship. What would you say to me? You're weird. You, you, need, you need some help. You need, you need to go see someone, a professional. Someone with a lot of letters after their, their last name, right? It's just weird. Or is it? Paul's saying, listen guys, this is how our world's going to be. And this is how it's going to be. People are going to be lovers of themselves and then lovers of money. Let me, let me read for you some information, some staggering information. You know, a couple months ago, there was a couple of teen suicides in our country, or one in Canada and one in San Francisco, and people were very, you know, upset about these two teenage girls that committed suicide because they went to parties, it went badly, then it got out at school, what happened, and they felt like their whole lives were devastated because it was all over the internet what happened at the party. And they took their lives. At, at 16 and 17 years old, they took their lives. Did you go, that's so bad. That's a problem. We get upset about teen suicide because, man, they had their whole life in front of them. But let me, let me share with you some staggering information. That there's some tragic stories. Between 1999 and 2010, Suicides in the age group between 35 and 64 years old has increased by 28.4%, according to the CDC, which is the Center for Disease and Control. Suicides among people between 50 and 59. These are adults. You know, when you go kids, you go, eh, they're not emotionally stable. We're talking about adults between 50 and 59 years old, that age group, suicides have doubled between the year 1999 and 2010. More than 38,000 Americans have killed themselves or killed themselves in 2010. That's more than double those who were killed in a homicide in that same year, according to the CDC. In 2009, the number of deaths from suicide in the United States surpassed the number of deaths from motor vehicle crashes for the first time in our history as a nation. It says here, suicide is tragically common in this age group, said director of the CDC, Tom Fryden, in a statement. This report highlights the need to expand our knowledge of the risk factors so we can build on prevention programs that prevent suicide in this age group. So help me understand why so many suicides. Why is this? And you don't read about this. You don't know about this. This isn't in the headlines, but it's there. This is data. You can't argue with data. So why are so many people, 50 to 59, committing suicide at an alarming rate? between the year 1999 and 2010. What, what explanation? Why are people taking their lives? Any ideas? I'll open it up for audience participation. What's happened in the last few years? You're feeling it, right? What are you, what are you doing with it? You lose a job, you lose your home. You know, you're feeling the pain of, I don't have what I used to have. But there are people taking their lives over, over losing money. They're ending their life. What does that tell you about their life, the meaning of their life? See, the meaning, the significance of their lives is all wrapped up in material things. It's about money. It's not about their family. It's not about their relationships. It's not about things that you and I cherish and go, these are the most important things. And it's a problem. But suicide's not the problem. The problem is 
We as a nation are focused on the wrong things, and I would say there are many of us here tonight who are focused on the wrong things. And we call ourselves Christians. And so this should be a wake-up call. Paul said this is going to happen. It's happening. We're in the middle of it. And so this whole thing we're going to be talking about tonight is so you can begin to establish a healthy relationship or a, a, a healthy attachment with things. So if you have them, great. If you don't have them, it's okay. They come and they go. And so this is a little spoof I did, me and my treasure. We laugh. You know, I took pictures with my treasure all over the place. This is the actual treasure chest. You know, and I go to parks with my treasure. <laughs> I hang out with my treasure, you know. And, and I even went to a restaurant with my treasure, and we ordered food together, you know. It's kind of ridiculous. But when you see these kinds of pictures, you go, that's silly. But have you ever seen someone that gets so attached to a car or a house, and you go, that's not silly anymore. That's serious. And what Jesus is trying to help us with, and if you're a guest here tonight, what Jesus wants to help you with is to have a healthy perspective about things. Because the world is pushing. Our culture, our society is pushing on you to have things and establish your security system on things. Let me give you a perspective about the New Testament. John the Baptist, this is, a, this is where he started preaching on life change. He, he preached on life change because people came and they wanted to change their lives. Here's what he taught. He said, everyone should, should share food and clothes with the poor. And what do you need to do that? Money. He also shared this. He shared tax collectors. Those are the people that, like politicians today, he said, you guys who are politicians or tax collectors should not pocket extra money. And then he said, soldiers, you know, people, civil servants, soldiers, you should be content with your pay and not extort money. So most of what John the Baptist preached on when he talked about life change was what? Why? I want you to understand something. When you want to think about changing your life, money is central to life change. If you want to change your life, you better think about your perspective on money. And Zacchaeus, the short man. Zacchaeus, how's the song go? Zacchaeus was a short man. He was a short man. He was. I don't remember. I bet he was, I bet he was Central American. He was Chaparro. He was a little guy. And what's the little guy? God loves the little guy. Jesus is walking along, and Zacchaeus, he gets a chance to Jesus, says, Jesus, talk to him from the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down right now. I'm going to your house to eat today. And look what Zacchaeus, without any prompting from Jesus, look at what Zacchaeus said. He said, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, which I'm sure he did as a tax collector. There's no question. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back how much? Do you know how much that is? Jesus didn't ask him about his money, didn't touch the subject. He didn't mess with the subject. Who prompted, who brought this whole thing up? Zacchaeus did. He volunteered it. Why did he volunteer it? Because he knew it was central to life change in his life. Where do you go when you want to change your life? Do you think about money? Or do you just think about, i got to change some of these habits, some of these practices, maybe not cuss as much, maybe, maybe try to be a good person and I'm going to go to church more. No, see, they understood. They, and look what Jesus' response to this response that Zacchaeus, look what Jesus said in reference to him. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Because of his response about money, Jesus says, guess what? This is tied into salvation. And sometimes we don't realize that salvation is tied in with our money. What's your attachment? What's your relationship? 
And I just want to say this. I'm, I'm giving the lesson, you know, and I'm preaching, and I'm looking at you guys and all this, right? But listen, we're in this together, all right? I'm like you. You're like me. We can have a funny relationship with money, okay? We're in this together. We're listening together. So understand this. When I talk to you, I'm talking to me, and we're looking at this together because we're all the same. We can have an unhealthy relationship with stuff and salvation, life change is central to money. And that's what you see here. Here are some other examples. We'll go through them really quickly. Acts chapter 2, verse 45. They sold their possessions and goods and gave to anyone who had need. These are baby Christians, and look at what they're doing. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 35 is another example. Acts chapter 19, verse 19. It says, and there were, this was, happened in the, in, the, in the city of Ephesus, and there was, a, there, was a, there was a demon possession that happened, and there was a guy who had a demon, and he jumped on seven, seven guys and gave them a butt-kicking they would never forget. They left naked and bleeding. That's how bad it was. One guy against seven, and he had a demon, and everybody heard this story, and they're like, whoa. And the conclusion they came to is, because these guys were saying the right words, but their life didn't back it up. And the demons said to them, I know about Jesus, and I know about Paul who preaches about Jesus, but who are you? And then he gave them, gave them a butt kicking. And this is where the response, when they heard about this, this is the response of the people in Ephesus. Look at what they said. A number of those who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. You know how much money the drachma is here in, this, in today's monetary value? You know how much they burned that day? In the millions of dollars in today's monetary value. See, because they, they came to the conclusion that we're hiding this stuff in our lives. We've got this closet sin. We've got these sorcery scrolls. Yeah, we, we became Christians. We came around. We're members of the church. We're, we're followers of Jesus now. But we got this stuff hidden back here that we haven't come clean with. And they said, if, if, if the demons know what's what, then obviously God knows what's what. Who are we kidding? So they brought it all out publicly, burned it. Came clean with it. Life change. Money, again. The widow, you know, the poor widow. She came in, she laid in two copper coins. And Jesus esteemed her. He esteemed her. He should, she gave out of her poverty everything. And there were people, I want you to visualize this. There were people walking into the temple that day with bags of money. I mean, could you imagine if somebody walked in here today and they had a couple of bags, gym bags, full of money, and they, they threw it in these these. These, these containers here, imagine that. You would go, whoa. And then you got this poor old lady, she walks in in her cane, and she just throws a couple of coins in there, and you go, oh, poor old lady. Jesus says, no, she's the one. She's the real deal, because it's all she had to live on. You see, Jesus doesn't see things the way you and I see things. And I hope that today you can just grasp a little bit of what God's trying to help us with. Then, then there's this parable of this rich guy. You know, he, he's, he's got all of his portfolios. There's his retirement accounts set up. Business is going awesome, awesome. And he's, you know, going through his bills, and all of a sudden, what happens? In this parable that Jesus mentions, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says, all that that you've saved up in your warehouses and your retirement and your, you know, your, 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 all your savings, everything that you've set aside, your 401ks, who are they going to go to now? Because you're broke spiritually. You know how much you have stored up in your account in heaven? Zero. And that's what brings me to my point today. You and I have the opportunity to start a portfolio account in heaven which will blow you away at the interest rate that God's willing to pay us. Okay, so get ready. There's more examples. The rich young man, he came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you got to give it all. 
Now, why is it that Jesus told the rich young man he had to give it all, but other people like Zacchaeus, they didn't have to give it all? Why this guy? Why did he get singled out? Because Jesus doesn't look at you know, everybody fair. It's not fair. He's looking at your heart. He may ask you to do something and you go, like Peter, you say, what about him, Lord? Hey, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. And you, you have a problem with money. Or you have a problem with, you know, whatever it is. And you know what it is. Jesus knows what it is. And he's trying to bring it to your attention. So it's very important. And he walked away sad because he wouldn't give it up. Our traveler was willing to give up everything for that treasure. And that treasure was the kingdom of heaven. And so tonight I want to encourage you. He discovered, you know, whatever it's going to cost me, whatever it's going to cost me, I'm willing to pay it. I'm willing to give it. I'm willing to do anything to lay hold of this treasure, which is the kingdom of heaven. Because there's nothing else more important. And the reward was incomparable. And it says in that verse, in the travelers, he went away with what? And his jaw. He was fired up. He was like a kid. He was like a teenager. Got any teens in the house? Where, where are you, teens? Huh? Raise your hand, teens. I don't, I don't see you on here. Teens are fired up usually. I don't know what's up now. It's late and sleepy and didn't go to Starbucks. Okay? Teens are usually fired up. Littlest thing, they get fired up. That's the way the traveler, he was fired up. When's the last time you were fired up about giving? Tonight you can be. And I believe you will be when you get what Jesus is saying and what he's going to share with you about. He went away in his joy. So what's Jesus saying? No matter how great your earthly fortune, it would be worthless in eternity. You could be the wealthiest person on the planet, but when it comes to eternity, what's, what do you have stored up over there? And what Jesus is saying is essentially this. Don't waste your life on temp, the temporary. Spend it on the what? The eternal. See, because here's a fact of life. Here it is. Let me break it down for you. Eventually, no matter what you have, you're either going to lose it or you're going to leave it. No exceptions. No exceptions. You're either going to lose it because somebody stole it from you. You know the crazy thing i got to share with you guys about? The crazy thing, when we were doing this series, we had a mother who came to our church and she heard what you're hearing tonight, the first, first lesson, that same week after the lesson, someone broke into her house, stole all of her jewels, all of their heirlooms that she got from grandma and, and mom and everybody. It was tens of thousands of dollars in jewelry. That week, it was like a prophecy. But that's just one week. Some of you today may live here today and you may lose something. I'm not trying to scare you. Go home and lock up everything and put it... Listen, listen, this is an eventual truth for all of us. You're either going to lose it because someone's going to take it or you're gonna, it's going to be in the market and you're going to lose it or you're going to leave it. You may have mounds of cash. You will leave it. You will leave it to somebody. You can't take it with you, which is one of the tre treasure principles. And look what Jesus said here. Here it is. This, is. this is His teaching. Don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Where moth and vermin... What's a vermin? Man, that's a nasty-sounding thing. It sounds worse than a rat. Where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. We read this verse and it happened to the woman the very same week. You know what the dilemma was for her? What could I have done with that money? What could I have done with those tens of thousands of dollars? I could have sold the jewelry and I could have used it for something good. I could have changed the nation. I could have, I could have helped poor people. I could have sent it on ahead. 
for a future investment and built up my account. In verse 20, verse Jesus says, Store for yourselves treasures in heaven where the moth and the vermin don't destroy. For where your treasure is, guess what? Your heart will be also. Here, here, is, here is something you've got to come to grips with. You may not like it. I can tell you where your heart is. Show me your checking account. Show me your Visa card statement. Show me where you spend your money. And I'll tell you where your heart is. That's what Jesus is saying. Your heart always follows your money. Like it or not. If you invested in a, in, in a, in a, in a stock, I promise you, go ahead, you know, invest in a stock. What's a, what's, a, what's a really good stock out there that you can invest in right now? Google, if you can afford it. What else? Anything else? Okay, you buy a stock. You buy a stock, right? What happens? That same week, what do you do? You get online and what do you do? How's it doing? How's it going? You're going to read articles. You're going to check the quote. You're going to watch the quote the rest of the week, right? You're going to follow the money. Wherever you put your money, your heart's going to go right behind it. That's what Jesus is saying. It's true. It's true. So why not intentionally put your money in things of higher value? Like, for example, instead of stuff, why not put your money in people? Why not put your money in here so God can use it? And you can send it on ahead. And that's what Jesus is saying. So here's, here's our treasure principle. And, and here's a proverb, Proverb 23, verse 5. It says, cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. They're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Now, imagine this, this situation. You buy this flashy new car and you're cruising. It's a convertible. It's a beautiful day. You park it in front of your car, right? And you go inside the house and what happens? It's gone. It's gone. Imagine that. Is that where you want your heart? Is that what you want to see happen to your heart? But many of us do this. And so that's why this whole series has been so good for me because it's made me reflect, where am I putting my money? You know, and, and, and where am I putting my, my focus? Consider what Jesus is saying. You're going to lose it or leave it. No exceptions. Now, in Civil War times, think about this. You are a person who lives during the Civil War, and you're from the North, but you're living in the South. And you have this Confederate money, right? And you know what's going to happen. You know the war. Here's a, here's a video, a picture of that money, the actual Confederate money. You know the war is going to end within a year, and you got a bag full of Confederate money, what would you do with that money? You'd exchange it for United States dollars from the North, right? You'd only keep enough for what you need in Confederate because you know you're going to have to buy some food and you know pay this bill, pay that bill, but you'd only keep the minimal amount. Why would you have this pile of Confederate money if you know it's not going to last? Why would you do that? Spiritually speaking, what are we doing with our money? We're holding on to it like we're going to have it forever. Hey, I got news for you. Just like the Confederate government is done away with, ended, this world as we know it, it's going to end. Or your life is going to end. That's the truth. Death and taxes, it's real. So why do we hold on to money like we're going to have it forever? Why do we hold on to stuff like we're going to have it forever? forever? And this is, this is huge. And so in this whole principle, Jesus is saying, store up for your treasures in heaven where it's going to last. In Matthew 19, verse 29, for everyone who has 
left houses. Now, this is the encouragement. Write this one down because you're going to need to read over this a few times. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for the sake, for my sake, will receive how much? One more time. I didn't hear you say it. Just one more time. A hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. A hundred times. A hundred times. Anybody know, any, any uh, bankers know what the interest rate on a hundred times is? Anybody know? Anybody? Quick with the mind. 10,000. 10,000 percent. Where can you get 10,000 percent? Any bank, any stock, anybody offering 10,000 percent. Okay, you know, you and I like to believe a lot that comes out of the Bible. We, We believe a lot of things. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? See, we like to, oh yeah, I believe in heaven. I'm going to heaven because I'm going to need to go somewhere when I die. And I'd rather go to heaven than that other place. So I believe in heaven. Do you believe in this promise that Jesus is making you, the same promise that he's making about heaven? Do you believe that he's going to multiply whatever you put in this, in this canister tonight, that he will multiply it times 100? He's saying it. I'm not saying it. Because my word, I'm just, I'm, just a, I'm just a messenger. Jesus is telling you 100 times. Now, I've been in the church for, as I said, 28 years. You know how much contribution I've given over the years? Missions contributions I've given? Weekly contributions I've given? I did the math. When I read this verse, I did the math. I want you to do the math. I want you to go home tonight, sit at your desk, and think about how much you've given to the church. Not, not just, just some of you, because some of you have been in the church a long time as well. Oh, man, you do the math and you're going to be fired up. <laughs> you're going to be fired up because you know what you have waiting for you in heaven? You have a portfolio in the millions. I got one. <laughs> I just want you guys to know when I get to heaven, I'm going to be a very wealthy man. Me and my wife will be very wealthy. And you say, we get uncomfortable with that. Oh, you know, hey, listen, this is, this is from the Bible. This is the same teaching of the Bible. Okay? A hundred times as much in heaven. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's 10,000%. Alright, so let, let's do a little test today. Okay? College students, okay, got a little cash here. I'm going to give you guys, one of you, $1,000 today. Or, or, you could wait five years. You could wait five years and have $10 million. Anybody take the 1000 and walk away? How about the teens? Would you take the would you take would you take the thousand when you could have in five years you could have ten million? Who would do that? Who would do that? Be be crazy to do it. Right? When you could have ten million? This is what Jesus is saying to us. It's the same promise that you like to hold on to, but because it's about money, you This is what he's saying. Where are you going to put your money? This this has blown my mind. I'm starting to scheme. You know how some of us love to scheme and we want to make money and we want to invest money and I'm starting to scheme in a whole different level now. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, Jesus wants us to be motivated. He wants us to be motivated for the right thing. Every day we have the opportunity to invest. Tonight you have an incredible, incredible opportunity. And not only tonight, because some of you are going to start thinking, you're going to leave here tonight and you go, oh, I could have given more. 
could have given more. And let me figure out a way this summer how I can raise some more. Because I want to help our mission field. And whatever you give to God, whatever you give to the needy, whatever you give to help other people in other places get closer to God, what Jesus is saying, I receive that money and I will up it a hundred times. That's what He's telling us. That's what He's trying to get through to us. And so, with that, you know, and financial planners, what they tell us is not to think in terms of three months. What do financial planners tell you to think? Or even three years. What do financial planners tell you to think? 30 years. That's what you got to start thinking in terms. So why can't we start thinking in terms of 30 million years? That's where you're going to spend a lot of time. In heaven. Where do you want to be set up? Where you're going to spend 30, 40, 50, in your cases, 70 years, 60 years, however many years you're going to spend here on earth? Where do you want that money to be set aside? And we like to set aside for retirement. You know how long your retirement's really going to be the way things are going in our economy? You may have 10 years of retirement. How about 10 million years? Where do you want to be set up for retirement? That's what Jesus is saying to us. And so if we really, really believe what Jesus is teaching here, it's going to be so awesome. So we're going to wrap this up. Back up a little bit. One, could you help me back up one? All right. Psalm chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. I think it's actually Psalm 47. This may be wrong. It says here, the psalmist is saying, don't be over, overawed when others grow rich when their splendor of their houses increase, for they will take nothing with them and they will die and their splendor will not descend with them. For many people today who are basking in wealth, they're going to have nothing when they die. But for you, whatever you put in here tonight, Whatever you do for God, with that check that you write every week or that direct deposit that you make every week, that digital, digital giving, online giving that you're set up for every week, intentionally giving, it's going to grow and it's going to grow and it's going to grow. And not only that, that's inspiring to think. But here on earth, you're changing lives. What you gave last year, help start a campus ministry in Mexico City. See, because things, things were so tight in Mexico City that they couldn't even afford a campus minister. So the, the, the L.A. church, and it came from actually the Long Beach when Steve Stevenson was here, and he said, listen, him and, him and Marco were talking, and they said, you know what, we've got to get a campus ministry going here. It's been long enough, so we're going to sponsor it. We're going to make sure that $40,000 of our missions contribution is going to be restricted for a campus ministry. And we, you know, in, in, in Mexico and Central America, the, 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 the board that oversees the money said, whatever you guys want. If that's what you want the money for, then we'll do it. We started it in, in January of this year. There are already now four college students that have been baptized. Okay, and there's so many more that are getting baptized. The ministry now is about 20 members. And it's gaining momentum. And at one time, I want you to know, this is one of the largest campuses of college students in the world. When I lived there, we had 400 college students as disciples. It was a region. It was crazy. A huge group of students. When they would walk on campus, it was like a, it was like a, a mob you know, because there were so many disciples. And it started off just like it started now. And so many of these college students have grown up and now they're in the church, they're married, and they have jobs, and they're supporting the church. And for the most part, Mexico City is self-sustained. It supports itself. It's the second largest church in our fellowship of churches. 3,700 members. It's a little over half the size of the L.A. church. And the campus ministry was essential. And that's why we, Laura and I, we spent so much time 
when we first moved there in 1992 on campus because we knew the future of this church. So you, you helped kickstart that. You know what God's going to do with what you gave last year? He's going to multiply it times 100, but not only that, He's multiplying it in people's lives, the next generation. People's lives are changing now. So you get a double dividend. You get to change someone's life now, and then you get 100 times later. Isn't that awesome? Where are you going to get that? One of the richest men of all time, John D. Rockefeller. He's, you know, Bill Gates, like Bill Gates is nothing. You know, Oprah Winfrey, nothing. This guy was sick, sick, stupid wealthy. <laughs> really wealthy. One of the wealthiest men of all time. When he died, a reporter came up to his accountant and said, so how much did he leave? And the accountant said, all of it. All of it. How much are you going to leave? All of it. But if you get this treasure principle and you invest it here and you invest it in the local church and you even leaving here tonight and you go out here and you see a homeless guy, you see someone out there and you help that person, it's on the side. Maybe you're not even a member of our church. I just want to encourage you. God notices what you do. If you give to a poor person, that counts too. Even a glass of cold water counts. Because it's from here to a needy person. So I hope you're fired up about what you're going to do tonight. And I hope you're fired up about the fact that you give to the local church. And if you're not giving to the local church... I want to challenge you tonight. I don't know what your financial situation is, but I think you need to consider strongly where your treasure is. There's no question. The last 28 years, where my treasure is. See, because I don't do this because it's my occupation. I do this because it's my passion. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to do this if, even if they don't pay me to do it. Because changing people's lives, helping people get connected and avoid this and so many other tragedies that life has to offer when you're focused on the wrong thing and you're trying to wrap your heart around a possession, we don't want to do that. So here's the treasure principle. And you can write this one down too. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Whatever you put in here tonight, you're sending it on ahead. Whatever you give on a weekly basis, you can send it on ahead. Even as a college student, I gave a weekly contribution. Forget about tithing. Tithing is an Old Testament word. You know why tithing is not talked about in the New Testament a lot? Because First century followers of Jesus laughed at the idea. You mean only 10%? When they grasped this principle, they said it's laughable. we got to figure out a way we can give more. i got to figure out where I can get a raise and I can get a better job because I want more money to go ahead. That's why they sold their possessions, sold their homes. They were crazy in the first century. Now, I'm not saying that. you got to be responsible. You got to pay your bills, you got to take care of your family. There's nothing wrong with having material possessions. Just don't don't be attached to them. Let it go. It's on loan. It's on loan because you're either going to leave it or you're going to lose it. No exceptions. So this is a principle you can take that with you. And the last question is, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Really? Think that one over in this week, okay? Honestly, if you're a guest here, I'm so glad you're here. I want you to think about it. Where's your treasure? Is it going to last? Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's in your education. Maybe it's in alcohol. Maybe it's in a relationship with somebody, you know, that it's, you know, it's not a good relationship. Is that where you want your heart to spend eternity? 
when Jesus is offering us blessings here and blessings there on both ends. You can't beat that. So if you're here as a guest tonight, I want to encourage you to start studying the Bible tonight. Okay? Ask the person who invited you, hey, how can we do some Bible studies? And if you're a member here tonight, think about that because that also counts to who can you help understand this? Amen? We're going to celebrate the communion now. Jesus wants us to understand this. How bad? He died. He bled and his body was broken so we could get this. And this all has to do not with money. It has to do with a relationship. Jesus wants us. He is willing to die. He died for us to have a relationship with God. It's the most important thing in his priority list. A relationship with God. Whatever you've been focused on this week, it's taken you away from your relationship with God. Right now is the opportunity to ask for forgiveness, get back on track. Whatever week you've had, whatever you've done, right now is the opportunity to lay it at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to come back home. I know I've been far from you. I want to get right with you. I want to be close to you again. Will you forgive me? That's what communion is all about. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for what we heard tonight. Wow. We pray that you'll help us to, 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 to meditate this week on what we've heard. And God, we thank you that you consider us your treasure. Who are we that you, you put such a high value on us, that you love us that much, that you would willing to become a man, come down on earth, on earth and die for us and bleed for us so you can bring us home. God, we lift up Jesus right now. We take the communion in memory of him. Please, God, forgive us for the ways that we've fallen short this week. People that we've hurt and we know we've hurt you and we ask you to forgive us and give us a brand new start and help us, God, to invest our lives and our hearts in eternal things, not on temporary things. We love you. We lift up Jesus now and so grateful for this, this time that we can remember what he did for us, his body and his blood that were broken and poured out for us. Thank you for all of our brothers and sisters here who are so generous. Please bless them now for it and continue to bless our work in Mexico and Central America. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.